Section 13 of a Collection of Supreme Court Opinions by the United States Supreme Court. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elsie Selwyn. United States v. Wong Kim Ark, 169 U.S. 649, decided March 27, 1898, Part 3. Please note, this is a reading of the opinion of the court only. This reading does not include the syllabus or any concurring or dissenting opinions. For ease of listening, this reading omits legal citations found within the text of the court's opinion. Act of April 14, 1802, C. 28, subsection 4, to Statute 155. The provision of that act concerning, quote, the children of persons duly naturalized under any of the laws of the United States, end quote, not being restricted to the children of persons already naturalized, might well be held to include children of persons thereafter to be naturalized. But the provision concerning foreign-born children being expressly limited to the children of persons who then were or had been citizens, clearly did not include foreign-born children of any person who became a citizen since its enactment. Mr. Binney's paper, as he states in his preface, was printed by him in the hope that Congress might supply this defect in our law. In accordance with his suggestions, it was enacted by the statute of February 10, 1855, C. 71, that, quote, persons heretofore born or hereafter to be born out of the limits and jurisdiction of the United States, whose fathers were or shall be at the time of their birth citizens of the United States, shall be deemed and considered and are hereby declared to be citizens of the United States, provided, however, that the rights of citizenship shall not descend to persons whose fathers never resided in the United States. End quote. It thus clearly appears that during the half-century intervening between 1802 and 1855, there was no legislation whatever for the citizenship of children born abroad, during that period of American parents who had not become citizens of the United States before the Act of 1802, and that the Act of 1855, like every other Act of Congress upon the subject, has, by express proviso, restricted the right of citizenship, thereby conferred upon foreign-born children of American citizens, to those children themselves, unless they became residents of the United States. Here is nothing to countenance the theory that a general rule of citizenship by blood or descent has displaced in this country the fundamental rule of citizenship by birth within its sovereignty. So far as we are informed, there is no authority, legislative, executive, or judicial in England or America which maintains or intimates that the statutes, whether considered as declaratory or as merely prospective, conferring citizenship on foreign-born children of citizens have superseded or restricted in any respect the established rule of citizenship by birth within the dominion even those authorities in this country which have gone the farthest toward holding such statutes to be but declaratory of the common law have distinctly recognized and emphatically asserted the citizenship of native-born children of foreign parents passing by questions once earnestly controverted, but finally put at rest by the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, it is beyond doubt that, before the enactment of the Civil Rights Act of 1866, 
or the adoption of the constitutional amendment all white persons at least born within the sovereignty of the united states whether children of citizens or of foreigners excepting only children of ambassadors or public ministers of a foreign government were native-born citizens of the united states five in the forefront both of the fourteenth amendment of the constitution and of the civil rights act of eighteen sixty six the fundamental principle of citizenship by birth within the dominion was reaffirmed in the most explicit and comprehensive terms the civil rights act passed at the first session of the thirty-ninth congress began by enacting that quote, all persons born in the united states and not subject to any foreign power excluding indians not taxed are hereby declared to be citizens of the united states and such citizens of every race and color without regard to any previous condition of slavery or involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall have the same right in every state and territory in the united states to make and enforce contracts to sue be parties and give evidence to inherit purchase lease sell hold and convey real and personal property and to full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the security of person and property as is enjoyed by white citizens and shall be subject to like punishment pains and penalties and to none other any law statute ordinance regulation or custom to the contrary notwithstanding the same congress shortly afterwards evidently thinking it unwise and perhaps unsafe to leave so important a declaration of rights to depend upon an ordinary act of legislation which might be repealed by any subsequent congress framed the fourteenth amendment of the constitution and on june sixteenth eighteen sixty six by joint resolution proposed it to the legislatures of the several states and on july twenty eighth eighteen sixty eight the secretary of state issued a proclamation showing it to have been ratified by the legislatures of the requisite number of states the first section of the fourteenth amendment of the constitution begins with the words quote, all persons born or naturalized in the united states and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the united states and of the state wherein they reside End quote as appears upon the face of the amendment as well as from the history of the times this was not intended to impose any new restrictions upon citizenship or to prevent any persons from becoming citizens by the fact of birth within the united states who would thereby have become citizens according to the law existing before its adoption it is declaratory in form in enabling and extending an effect its main purpose doubtless was as has often been recognized by this court to establish the citizenship of free negroes which had been denied in the opinion delivered by chief justice taney in dred scott v sanford eighteen fifty seven and to put it beyond doubt that all blacks as well as whites born or naturalized within the jurisdiction of the united states are citizens of the united states but the opening words quote, all persons born end quote, are general and not to say universal restricted only by place and jurisdiction and not by color or race as was clearly recognized in all the opinions delivered in the slaughterhouse cases above cited in those cases the point adjudged was that a statute of louisiana granting to a particular corporation the exclusive right for twenty-five years to have and maintain slaughterhouses within a certain district including the city of new orleans 
requiring all cattle intended for sale or slaughter in that district to be brought to the yards and slaughterhouses of the grantee authorizing all butchers to slaughter their cattle there and empowering the grantee to exact a reasonable fee for each animal slaughtered was within the police powers of the state and not in conflict with the thirteenth amendment of the constitution as creating an involuntary servitude nor within the fourteenth amendment as abridging the privileges or immunities of citizens of the united states or as depriving persons of their liberty or property without due process of law or as denying to them the equal protection of the laws mr justice miller delivering the opinion of the majority of the court after observing that the thirteenth fourteenth and fifteenth articles of amendment of the constitution were all addressed to the grievances of the negro race and were designed to remedy them continued as follows quote, we do not say that no one else but the negro can share in this protection both the language and spirit of these articles are to have their fair and just weight in any question of construction undoubtedly while negro slavery alone was in the mind of the congress which proposed the thirteenth article it forbids any other kind of slavery now or hereafter if mexican peonage or the chinese coolie labor system shall develop slavery of the mexican or chinese race within our territory this amendment may safely be trusted to make it void and so if other rights are assailed by the states which properly and necessarily fall within the protection of these articles that protection will apply though the party interested may not be of african descent End quote. and in treating of the first clause of the fourteenth amendment he said quote, the distinction between citizenship of the united states and citizenship of a state is clearly recognized and established not only may a man be a citizen of the united states without being a citizen of a state but an important element is necessary to convert the former into the latter he must reside within the state to make him a citizen of it but it is only necessary that he should be born or naturalized in the united states to be a citizen of the union end quote mr justice field in a dissenting opinion in which chief justice chase and justices swain and bradley concurred said of the same clause quote, it recognizes and express terms if it does not create citizens of the united states and it makes their citizenship dependent upon the place of their birth or the fact of their adoption and not upon the constitution or laws of any state or the condition of their ancestry End quote. mr justice bradley also said Quote, the question is now settled by the fourteenth amendment itself that citizenship of the united states is the primary citizenship in this country and that state citizenship is secondary and derivative depending upon citizenship of the united states and the citizens place of residence the states have not now if they ever had any power to restrict their citizenship to any classes or persons End quote. and mr justice swain added quote, the language employed is unqualified in its scope there is no exception in its terms and there can be properly none in their application by the language citizens of the united states was meant all citizens and by any person was meant all persons within the jurisdiction of the state no distinction is intimated on account of race or color this court has no authority to interpolate a limitation that is neither expressed nor implied our duty is to execute the law not to make it the protection provided was not intended to be confined to those of any particular race or class but to embrace equally all races classes and conditions of men End quote. 
mr justice miller indeed while discussing the causes which led to the adoption of the fourteenth amendment made this remark quote, the phrase subject to its jurisdiction was intended to exclude from its operation children of ministers consuls and citizens or subjects of foreign states born within the united states End quote. this was wholly aside from the question in judgment and from the course of reasoning bearing upon that question it was unsupported by any argument or by any reference to authorities and that it was not formulated with the same care and exactness as if the case before the court had called for an exact definition of the phrase is apparent from its classing foreign ministers and consuls together whereas it was then well settled law as since then recognized in the judgment of this court in which mr justice miller concurred that consuls as such and unless expressly invested with a diplomatic character in addition to their ordinary powers are not considered as entrusted with authority to represent their sovereign in his intercourse with foreign states or to vindicate his prerogatives or entitled by the law of nations to the privileges and immunities of ambassadors or public ministers but are subject to the jurisdiction civil and criminal of the courts of the country in which they reside in weighing a remark uttered under such circumstances it is well to bear in mind the often quoted words of chief justice marshall quote, it is a maxim not to be disregarded that general expressions in every opinion are to be taken in connection with the case in which those expressions are used if they go beyond the case they may be respected but ought not to control the judgment in a subsequent suit when the very point is presented for decision the reason for this maxim is obvious the question actually before the court is investigated with care and considered in its full extent other principles which may serve to illustrate it are considered in their relation to the case decided but their possible bearing on all other cases is seldom completely investigated End quote. that neither mr justice miller nor any of the justices who took part in the decision of the slaughterhouse cases understood the court to be committed to the view that all children born in the united states of citizens or subjects of foreign states were excluded from the operation of the first sentence of the fourteenth amendment as manifest from a unanimous judgment of the court delivered but two years later while all those judges but chief justice chase were still on the bench in which chief justice waite said quote, allegiance and protection are in this connection end quote. that is in relation to citizenship quote, reciprocal obligations the one is a compensation for the other allegiance for protection and protection for allegiance a common law with the nomenclature of which the framers of the constitution were familiar it was never doubted that all children born in a country of parents who were its citizens became themselves upon their birth citizens also these were natives or natural-born citizens as distinguished from aliens or foreigners some authorities go further and include as citizens children born within the jurisdiction without reference to the citizenship of their parents as to this class there have been doubts but never as to the first for the purposes of this case it is not necessary to solve these doubts it is sufficient for everything we have now to consider that all children born of citizen parents within the jurisdiction are themselves citizens End quote. minor versus happersett eighteen seventy four the decision in that case was that a woman born of citizen parents within the united states was a citizen of the united states although not entitled to vote the right to the elective franchise not being essential to citizenship the only adjudication that has been made by this court upon the meaning of the clause quote, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof end quote, 
and the leading provision of the fourteenth amendment is elk v wilkins one hundred and twelve u s ninety four in which it was decided that an indian born a member of one of the indian tribes within the united states which still existed and was recognized as an indian tribe by the united states who had voluntarily separated himself from his tribe and taken up his residence among the white citizens of a state but who did not appear to have been naturalized or taxed or in any way recognized or treated as a citizen either by the united states or by the state was not a citizen of the united states as a quote, person born in the united states and subject to the jurisdiction thereof end quote, within the meaning of the clause in question that decision was placed upon the grounds that the meaning of those words was quote, not merely subject in some respect or degree to the jurisdiction of the united states but completely subject to their political jurisdiction and owing them direct and immediate allegiance end quote. that by the constitution as originally established quote, indians not taxed end quote, were excluded from the persons according to whose numbers representatives in congress and direct taxes were apportioned among the several states and congress was empowered to regulate commerce not only with foreign nations and among the several states but with the indian tribes that the indian tribes being within the territorial limits of the united states were not strictly speaking foreign states but were alien nations distinct political communities the members of which owed immediate allegiance to their several tribes and were not part of the people of the united states that the alien and dependent condition of the members of one of those tribes could not be put off at their own will without the action or assent of the united states and that they were never deemed citizens except when naturalized collectively or individually under explicit provisions of a treaty or of an act of congress and therefore that quote, indians born within the territorial limits of the united states members of and owing immediate allegiance to one of the indian tribes an alien though dependent power although in a geographical sense born in the united states are no more quote, born in the united states and subject to the jurisdiction thereof end quote, within the meaning of the first section of the fourteenth amendment then the children of subjects of any foreign government born within the domain of that government or the children born within the united states of ambassadors or other public ministers of foreign nations end quote it was observed that the language used in defining citizenship in the first section of the civil rights act of eighteen sixty six by the very congress which framed the fourteenth amendment was quote, all persons born in the united states and not subject to any foreign power excluding indians not taxed end quote. mr justice harlan and mr justice woods dissenting were of opinion that the indian in question having severed himself from his tribe and become a bona fide resident of a state had thereby become subject to the jurisdiction of the united states within the meaning of the fourteenth amendment and in reference to the civil rights act of eighteen sixty six said quote, beyond question by that act national citizenship was conferred directly upon all persons in this country of whatever race excluding only indians not taxed who were born within the territorial limits of the united states and were not subject to any foreign power End quote and that view was supported by reference to the debates in the senate upon that act and to the ineffectual veto thereof of president johnson in which he said quote, by the first section of the bill all persons born in the united states and not subject to any foreign power excluding indians not taxed are declared to be citizens of the united states this provision comprehends the chinese of the pacific states indians subject to taxation the people called gypsies as well as the entire race designated as blacks persons of color negroes mulattoes and persons of african blood 
every individual of those races born in the united states is by the bill made a citizen of the united states End quote. the decision in elk versus wilkins concerned only members of the indian tribes within the united states and had no tendency to deny citizenship to children born in the united states of foreign parents of caucasian african or mongolian descent not in the diplomatic service of a foreign country the real object of the fourteenth amendment of the constitution and qualifying the words quote, all persons born in the united states end quote, by the addition quote, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof end quote, would appear to have been to exclude by the fewest and fittest words besides children of members of the indian tribes standing in a peculiar relation to the national government unknown to the common law the two classes of cases children born of alien enemies in hostile occupation and children of diplomatic representatives of a foreign state both of which as has already been shown by the law of england and by our own law from the time of the first settlement of the english colonies in america have been recognized exceptions to the fundamental rule of citizenship by birth within the country the principles upon which each of those exceptions rests were long ago distinctly stated by this court in united states v rice eighteen nineteen for wheat two hundred and forty six goods imported into castine in the state of maine while it was in the exclusive possession of the british authorities during the last war with england were held not to be subject to duties under the revenue laws of the united states because as was said by mr justice story in delivering judgment quote, by the conquest and military occupation of castine the enemy acquired that firm possession which enabled him to exercise the fullest rights of sovereignty over that place the sovereignty of the united states over the territory was of course suspended and the laws of the united states could no longer be rightfully enforced there or be obligatory upon the inhabitants who remained and submitted to the conquerors by the surrender the inhabitants passed under a temporary allegiance to the british government and were bound by such laws and such only as it chose to recognize and impose from the nature of the case no other laws could be obligatory upon them for when there is no protection or allegiance or sovereignty there can be no claim to obedience. End, quote. End of section thirteen.